Hi everyone, welcome back to Wine Chats. It's been a minute, but I'm back. Um, today I'm gonna be drinking uh, Stella Rosa, but it's Stella Pink specifically. And I'm here with my friend Jennifer Ramos. But before I get to her, let me quickly read a little bit about this wine. So this one says that the Stella Rosa Pink is a seductive, rich, and full-bodied with the hints of sweetness wine. You can serve it chilled with fresh fruit, cheese, and spicy cuisine and desserts. So it's like a pretty diverse wine. But we're gonna go ahead and try it right now. Cheers, Jenny. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, I like it. Well, you've tried this wine, right? Yes, it's very <clears throat> easy to drink. It's like, like with, smooth. Yeah, with bitter ones, I'm always like, <clears throat> like struggling to, you know, swallow, swallow it. it and actually enjoy it. So Yeah, and Stella Rosa is like a pretty known wine, so you can get it, I'm sure, at any grocery store. Okay, so like I was saying, um, today's guest is my good friend Jennifer Ramos, but she goes by Jenny. Um, you want to go and introduce yourself? Of course. <laughs> Hello, everybody and anybody listening to this. Um, as she mentioned, my name is Jennifer Ramos. Mm. Actually, pronounce the R. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I am a recent college, gra- college graduate. 2020. I mean, 2020 pandemic year. You know, it was good. I missed the graduation, but it's all good. <laughs> I am now, well, I majored in education with the concentration in social justice and policy. And I also majored in liberal studies. So I did double major. Double major. And Latina was good. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, what I'm doing with my life, I am a, sorry for all like these like super big words, but um, early interventionist specialist. I work with toddlers aged zero to three who have disabilities and delays. And so I help them reach their goals that they're missing. Cause you know, each kid has a development, they have to reach it. And some of these kids just need that extra push. So that's really cool. Yeah. Cause I feel like I personally, I feel like you need to have like some sort of gift to work in that field mm-hmm. like patients mm-hmm. like a specific patience yeah so I give you props for that but what is your quote my quote all right y'all ready for this y'all ready for that <laughs> mic drop no, just kidding. <laughs> my quote would have to be um that in life I'm learning this as I'm actually breathing right now it's something that's taken me a while to do because I've always cared so much about what other people thought about my decisions about my life about what I wore the words I speak spoke so my quote is in life you can't be afraid to make decisions because you're afraid of what others may think of it Mm -hmm. so living your life being fearless and okay with being misunderstood is something really big um, that I'm facing right now because the more you try to satisfy others or the more you just worry about what others think, the more you lose yourself and your purpose as to why you want to do a certain, why you want to make like a certain thing happen Um, and not losing focus of yourself and also like your intuition. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes I think, we get so caught up in listening to the voices of others that we blur our our own self and our intuition and what 
you know, our gut is telling us to do that we end up doing something that we're actually not supposed to. Yeah, I'm learning that too. That was a good one because I think a lot of times, especially like in Hispanic and our Hispanic culture and a lot of like other cultures, it's always like, what is my mom and daddy going to think? And like, what is the family going to think? And I think that often brings like anxiety, at least for me. And I think it also like, it just makes you like question a lot where in reality, you should just like be focusing on what you really want. Because at the end of the day, like you're the one that's living and going Mm -hmm. through those experiences. Exactly. And so that was a really good one. That's something I'm experiencing as well. But anyway, we wanted to do this podcast because Jenny and I both studied abroad. We went to Spain, Alicante specifically. It's like a small town in Spain, but it was cool to travel to other places. But we just kind of want to talk about how um, we even got there and how like we got closer and stuff. Do you want to start off the story? Of how it came Like how it all started. (laughs) Of course. And this is to encourage you guys if you, like, want to study abroad if you're in school or just, like, travel if you're out of school or not doing school because we've definitely, like, learned a lot through travel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and for sure to those people that are kind of iffy to – because I know there's some study abroad programs going on through the pandemic, that extra push if you need it. Yeah. So, um, yes. How it came about. So I had already knew that I was going to study abroad since my sophomore year in college. And when my junior college – my junior year in college came, I said, okay, for some reason, my gut was just telling me it has to happen this year. I didn't know that the pandemic was going to hit. And so I started looking at programs and Esther knows this about me. I'm very like research type. (laughs) I will do my research about an Airbnb. I'll do my research about a place. And of course, if I'm going to spend four or five months in a country, I have to do my research. And I was on the edge of going alone or if I wanted to invite somebody or as if it's my country to invite, (laughs) (laughs) or like have somebody, you know, do it with me. And one time, (laughs) there was once where I I spoke to a friend, her name is Jasmine, actually. And we were at at the UCR gym, the college we go to. And she was telling me, you should go with somebody, you know, it's cheaper, it's funner, it's funner, (laughs) it's more fun, and you'll just enjoy it more. And to me, I was still on the edge for some reason. And I I was telling myself, do I want to go by myself to kind of, you know, figure out myself and stuff like that? But one time I was in, I think, an education class. And that was when we had, like, classes in the theaters. Mm -hmm. And something told me, ask somebody from your contacts. (laughs) And I randomly scrolled. And I said, whoever it stops on, I'm going to ask them. And it so happened to stop on the E's, <laughs> E for Esther, <laughs> E for Esther. And I had only met Esther, I think one or twice, right? Once or twice? Yeah, like we knew of each other, but we weren't like close. Yeah, we were not buddy-buddy at all. But it's funny because Jenny and I, like throughout college, we'd go to like this Bible study together. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of how I like, I knew of her. And we even went to Catalina Island together. We Remember did. when we went, when we were doing the row? <laughs> I think we had a deep connection. Dude, we had to do like, it was like this competition and you had, what is that thing called? Kayaking. It was kayaking and it was like this race (laughs) and they put Jen, or I don't know if we were We somehow ended up together without wanting to be together. Dude, we, our strokes and like, it was smooth. Yeah, we were gliding through that water. (laughs) I think it's because, you know, we're both athletic and stuff. (laughs) But I feel like it was like, like moments like that, looking back, it's like, dude, like this almost feels like it was meant to be yeah acting like we're married or something but (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so that's kind of how we first came about as being friends. And when I stopped at Esther's name on my contacts, I got a really good feeling. I thought, you know what? I don't mind asking her. And so what did I do? I impulsively, because I'm very like that, impulsively <laughs> texted her and asked her if she wanted, if she was down to study abroad. And if you know Esther, she'll be super <laughs> short with her responses and just be like, damn. <laughs> and I think that's what you responded. Yes. Uh, but then I sent you a picture. And then she sent me a picture because I think some nights before that. No, it was that day. Oh, it was old girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, because I would always go to Panda Express on campus for like egg rolls like as a snack mm -hmm. and I'd always get a fortune cookie and then that day it said it's time to like satisfy your travels abroad uh -huh. or something like that yeah. and so when she asked me I obviously was like dude I'm down but it was like what a coincidence that I got that fortune cookie mm -hmm. and I sent her the picture and I was like dude it's we're going so we're going yeah so I thought that was even trippy on my end I said you know what maybe it is meant to be Mm -hmm. And so then we started, the process was long. It was like about an, a year now. I don't know how we did that. So if you guys are in school and like going to study abroad, definitely do everything in time mm -hmm. or with time. Yes. And talk to your counselors and stuff. So that's mm -hmm. what helps about going in a pair or like with more than one person is that you're going to keep each other accountable. Hey, have you done your visa? Hey, how was the process? So you're, because you're going on the same trip, it's a lot more smoother as opposed mm -hmm. to figuring out on your own. I mean, you can always ask somebody else who's doing the program or going somewhere else, but I think there was a lot of comfort on my end mm -hmm. knowing that we were doing everything, the applications, the fees, the talking to the advisors from abroad, um, filling out our roommate application. I didn't feel alone in the mm -hmm. process. And yeah. being That's that we're both first generation, that was a lot of comfort also because we didn't have our parents. We didn't have our siblings yeah. telling us, hey, you know, you have to get your visa two months ahead of time. Or I don't know what's the time frame, but it was just, it was nice. And then, yeah, Esther being first generation, I think we felt each other's struggles also and mm -hmm. not really hearing a lot of feedback from our family because they can't. You know? Yeah. And also, well, yeah, like everything she was saying. It's just like a lot of like keeping each other accountable because there were like things that I would notice or like remember from meetings and then she would remember different stuff. So like together we would just do it. But yeah, I agree with you. And I feel like throughout studying abroad, like I said, we studied abroad in Alicante in Spain and it was just like the chillest place ever. Like I miss it every single day. I miss it every day and like the people we've met, like they're, they're our friends to like this day, like we're literally seeing some friends that we met in Spain tomorrow. <laughs> and it's just like a really cool experience. And obviously like Jenny did like a solo trip. I did a solo trip and it's kind of cool. Like once you're in um, anywhere, like in Europe, Spain, whatever, you literally get the cheapest tickets to go to like the surrounding countries. Yeah. Like we went to so many places that wasn't like Spain. Yeah. We went to like Africa, went to Portugal. Mm -hmm. Where else did we go? Amsterdam, Italy. Um, Italy, France. You went to Germany. I went to Germany. I didn't go there, but where else did we go? I mean, we traveled a lot within this, the country, like Spain. Yes, I mean, like sorry, Madrid. Madrid, Sevilla. Barcelona. Barcelona. Granada. Granada, Valencia. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of, yeah, a lot of cities within this the, the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just super easy. I don't even think overall for most of them I spent under a hundred bucks. For sure. Traveling for sure. there and back. And then I think my Germany trip was forty bucks there and back. So if you oh, and that's another big tip that if you're gonna travel within 
you know, Europe and you're on a budget being that you're a student, uh, we noticed that the later you wait, don't the prices kind of go down as opposed to buying it earlier? I don't remember that. I remember that for two of our flights. Mm. I would I checked after and it mm. was cheaper. cheaper. Interesting. Because I feel like here in the U.S. it's like you buy stuff in advance. Yeah, that's that's what kind of like shook me. Maybe it's not like that for all the flights, mm-hmm. but it can happen. Yeah. So I would think I, I would be very you know cautious of that if you're trying to. Yeah. No, but definitely like once you get there it's super cheap to travel around because if you think about it like even traveling within the u.s to california to new york or california to hawaii it's like Mm -hmm. it can be like 300 plus bucks round trip and then over there it was like less than a hundred dollars for a ticket to travel to other countries but um i would just say another advice is to like it's it's honestly this whole experience is to step out of your comfort zone like you're gonna miss your family you're gonna be missing out like with like friends doing stuff obviously without you um but I do not regret it at all and it's so crazy because like literally we came back and then we went to school for a bit and then the pandemic hit like it was like the perfect timing and I feel like whoever didn't get the opportunity to like study abroad or travel in general I feel like this is like your time now with people getting vaccinated stuff opening up so like I really encourage everybody to travel because even like the food and the cultures that like we learned about, it's like something you can never forget. Yeah. And it's like something you'll like remember forever. But um, did you want to say anything else about studying? Yeah, there? I think I want to say, I know it's just weird times right now. If we were doing this podcast, you know, right after we got out of, you know, back from abroad, the conversation probably would have been more like easier to be encouraged by. But I know with, the pandemic, it's a lot of people feel discouraged. But one thing I can say is that one of my biggest lessons from abroad is that I really got out of my bubble of America. Oh, oh my gosh, that's perfect. And with the pandemic, you know, America just has its own way of freedom. We definitely as a whole, I know not all states, but <clears throat> California, <laughs> we kind of just did our own thing. Like, we don't want to wear the mask. We did protests on not wearing masks. No yeah. vaccine. Yes, vaccine. Like, all this controversy was so heavy here. And then you looked at countries like France and Italy and Spain. Major lockdown. Yeah. Nobody can go out. If you went out, you would mm-hmm. be followed by, like, I don't know, a law enforcement or something. Mm-hmm. Well, well, didn't they do martial law? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Like, it was, like, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, hopefully, like, cases don't get severe. But being that you can learn it online about what's happening and how that pandemic affected that country. I think being there and learning how the pandemic hit that country is also an insight. It is. You know, and away from America because here we're so self-centered. We, me, oh me, 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 we're me, me, so, me. We have like an individualistic mindset. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing with countries in Europe. Like, that's why like everyone was like an extreme lockdown. Like people can rebel and like yeah. fight and protest, but they'd obviously get in trouble. Yeah. But like, they're so selfless mm-hmm. that like they know it's for the best for everyone. And for us in America with the majority of things, it's very like, well, it's my freedom and it's my freedom of speech. And it's like, yeah, we forget that it's not about us. Right. It's about like, we have a whole world. Yeah. Like, and that's super like true. And even with like other things, just like in um, Spain, at least I didn't really like observe this in other countries but people are super like sustainable Mm -hmm. they take care of like their bodies like they'll work out and like eat good and it's not even about like vanity Mm -hmm. it's about like being the best version you can be and stuff it's just so many things that you learn 
and are reminded of. Right. And it makes you like see it and you see the world in a different perspective. Yeah. And I definitely feel like I didn't come back like the same person. For sure. So that's like really cool. It is amazing. Yes. But um, kind of like switching topics a bit, if you're cool with that. Yes. Um, another reason why I wanted Jenny on this podcast is because I feel we can all learn a lot from Jenny. <laughs> Jenny is very, like she says, she does her research. She does things like on her own, learns things on her own. And whether it's like in school and out of school, I feel like you have a lot of like life experiences that have made you you. And one of them being is like addiction in your family. Mm-hmm. And trigger warning, if this is something that like is triggering to you or like you don't really want to listen to. Um, or you're not ready to Or you're not to. ready to listen to, that's okay. Um, you don't have to finish listening. But yeah, Jenny, uh... In a nutshell, I guess, like, one of the things I want to know and other people to know is, like, if you're comfortable, like, how did you feel when you first found out about, like, this Mm -hmm. issue and how has it been, like, how have you, like, continued to overcome it yourself? Okay. Yeah. So, again, trigger warning because I am going to go a little bit into detail and it's not to put my business out there, but I'm not the only one who has addiction in their family. I think that's obvious. We live in a world where drugs is everywhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for me, I think it hit me pretty hard when I found out that, um, I don't want to be too specific, but one of my parents, actually, yeah, one of my parents um, was using a very hard drug um, and also drinking alcohol. So it's alcohol and like something else that they use. Um, So when I found out, I was actually in my first year in college. My whole life, my whole upbringing, I was pretty much not naive, but I was unaware of the addiction that was happening in my family. I was so young. And my oldest sister being like my second mom, she did an absolute amazing job of protecting me from seeing any of that and knowing that it was happening in my own safe space of a home. So I think that's why it hit me in such a big shock because I wasn't exposed to it ever growing up. Like you didn't expect it to like happen. At all. My sister, again, she hid it from me as a form of protection, which is awesome. But at the same time, because I found out when I was 17, much older, more aware of my surroundings, I think the heartbreak was deeper than Mm -hmm. how it would have been if I was younger So I found out, yeah, my freshman year. And the reason I found out, the way I found out was that uh, my parents had dropped me off at college. And two months right after college started, I started noticing some weird habits back at home. Um, And my parents weren't calling me as much. And I was just thinking, oh, maybe, you know, because I'm the baby in the family. I was the last one to leave. Maybe they're just, I don't know, fighting because now they have time for each other. And my first visit back home, um, I had found, you know, one of my parents on the floor and they weren't doing so good and automatically, um, well, I knew and it just hit me like bad, (laughs) especially being that not only was I transitioning from college, like from high school to college, but I also left home. So coming back home was and seeing that and also transitioning with college that was 
a hot mess. I would say it was a hot mess because I still didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. You know, I was still young, very naive to the world. Um, And then kind of just disclaimer too, like in high school, I did do things that I wasn't supposed to do, like smoke weed and stuff like that. So to me, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, they're terrible people. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I had stopped doing that. And so I was back to the, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not good, especially from like a parent. And, you know, years passed and, well, that whole year passed actually. And I started going to therapy because I saw, I started feeling very abandoned. Um, my both, both of my parents were kind of going through it. They were fighting and stuff like that. And so I wasn't getting the emotional support that I needed in mm-hmm. college and also financial support. Um, and I went through depression. I had suicidal thoughts. I um, was about to do something that I would have, you know, probably regretted for the rest of my life. But something told me not to. And I think that idea of having nieces and nephews is kind of what stopped me is that even though I'm the last one in the family, there's still younger ones, you know? And then also at the time, Gary was still alive and he was looking up to me a lot to do good in school. And so I said, I can't let those people down. It was like your mentor, right? My mentor. Yes. And I think when I started having suicidal thoughts, that's when I realized I need help. And I started going to therapy at UCR. They provide services at the college campus that I went to. However, the more I spoke about it to my therapist, the more angry I got. Because it was still happening, you know, it was still happening and I was still holding a lot of resentment, um, still a lot of lack of love that I was feeling. Uh, However, I still kept going and I even kept going in the summer. So in the summer, uh, when I went back home, I actually didn't stay with my parents. I stayed with a sister of mine because it was just emotionally, you know, draining Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, you know, and then years passed, um, you know, fast forward to my senior year, um, my parent, the parent that was using was still using. So all my four years went by in college and that was still happening. A lot of fights were still happening at home. So I was going back home to the same thing, to the same thing, to the same thing. And it came to a point where I didn't want to go back home. So I wouldn't go back home, you know, and I would see all these people. And this was the hardest part about being away and dealing with a a family member having addiction, I would see these families on campus. I would see these parents visiting their kids and I'd be like, dang, like, you know, my dad being the one that drove, he couldn't go, you know, cause, and then my mom doesn't drive. So nobody was visiting me. My parents only visited me the time they dropped me off the first day in college. And I started having a lot more grace towards them because I think too, being first generation also, I'm like, they don't understand necessarily what it means to be out here and to feel alone. Um, And I think also over the years, I I strengthened my faith and that's what kind of helped me kind of cope through it all. Um, But my senior year is actually when the parent that was using, they actually got help and they sobered up. Um, however, that didn't last very long and they relapsed again. And actually right now, as I speak, they're getting help again. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a very long story, Mm -hmm. but kind of wanted to walk through it because it hasn't been a smooth road at all. 
if anything, the only smooth thing about it is just finding love within myself and learning how to be okay and know that just because they're using doesn't mean that they don't love me. Yeah, It's a sickness. It's an illness. And to whoever understands addiction or is barely starting to understand it, if you genuinely understand it, you would understand that it's not the person. It's mm-hmm. the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, scientifically, this whatever drug they use, whatever substance they use, it neurologically, you know, rewires our neurons. Neurologically. Like, it just rewires no, our, our neurons to think, act, and say things that we wouldn't normally say. Yeah. So that's also a big, you know, part that I have to understand which took a long time it's not easy um addiction has its roller coasters yeah well I give you props for even like trying to understand them because Mm -hmm. I think when people go through addiction or see someone in their family or friends whoever significant other it's it's just like a lot of anger which Mm -hmm. I understand that perspective and I'm sure you were angry at one point like you were saying Mm -hmm. but it's like that's so selfless to like try to put yourself in their shoes and understand that like this is not them Mm -hmm. and also like that's another thing with drugs even though like I'm not like about drugs and I'm you know don't stand for it I think that there's like a huge misconception that if someone uses drugs like they're like a bad person yeah but it's like no like that person is using because like they're hurting Mm -hmm. or some other reason I don't really know what else but there's like there's a root to it it's not because like oh I'm a bad person like it's not about that at all yeah and I'm even glad your dad's like getting help and that you as his daughter have like contributed to him getting help because I know a lot of people are just like you know screw it you haven't been there for me and just like like I said you're just super selfless for still thinking about him and giving him grace Mm -hmm. but yeah I really like wanted to ask you about that because it's something that like you've overcome through such like a transitional period, which is like your early twenties. And it's like, it's admiring honestly to like see. And I know like a lot of people use that. They use that as an excuse, whether it's like I said, like a family member or someone close to them, they use it as an excuse to like not finish school and like for them to go down like a dark road. Whereas like you chose to use that like as a motivator Right. And to like break those cycles. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really cool, dude. Thank and you. you're super strong because I feel <laughs> yeah. like everyone goes through like their own battles. But yeah, how did you do it? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I can't really sit here and be like, this is how I overcame it. But I definitely, the biggest thing is self love. And I started focusing on my potential in life and what I can do and what I could not do. Being that I'm not the person using, I'm in control of a lot of things that I do. And school was definitely a scapegoat. And then studying abroad, like my biggest fear abroad was I did an essay. I did the Gilman Scholarship. So if you guys are doing that, hit me up because <laughs> I, I got it, thankfully. <laughs> and in that essay, it says, what is, your big, what is one of your biggest fears when leaving abroad? First thing that came up to my mind was my dad or my parents, both my parents. And I said, I started typing. I said, I I typed, I'm sorry. I typed, my biggest fear is that while being abroad, I will get that phone call that one of my parents overdosed. Dude, yeah, that's crazy. And that fear is so, it feels so real, even though it's not 
happen or it might not happen, but addiction, it's scary, man. You think that you're not gonna you're gonna be okay and stuff, but who knows? What if it's lace? What if you use too much? Yeah. What if you sleep the wrong way? You know, so all these fears and that was my biggest fear. But after leaving and being out there, of course I still had that fear because you know, like it was still happening, but at the same time, I reminded myself, look everything is still okay just yeah. because you know this is still happening and then you also have to learn that even when it's not okay it's okay for you to get up and leave yeah because I was very at the time super I need to be there I need to be there you know and yeah I can't I can't say how I'm doing it because I mean it's still happening <laughs> but I think you're a good example that like you can still in a sense like be okay and still like um, like fulfill your goals mm-hmm. and your accomplishments and not let that like stop you. Right. Okay. So I just want to say thank you again, Jenny, for sharing your story and your advice and all that. Um, but to end off this episode, we want to leave off on a like funny note, little lightheartedness. We want to say a story um, of when we went <laughs> to study abroad in Spain, but we were on our way to Ireland. Yes. How did how do we even start this? Okay, so I'll start it off. I'll start it off because we we had already had this trip planned, so it wasn't like in a, a fast one. So we were taking our time to the airport, you know, all that good stuff. But when we're on the plane, I don't know, there was something about Esther and I, sometimes we would have like these laugh attacks <laughs> and we would think everything was funny. Like she would do something <laughs> stupid and I'd like bust out laughing or I would do something stupid and then she'll start laughing. <laughs> Kind of like us right now. <laughs> and for some reason, that flight, we were just giggly. We were giggly for everything. And Esther, if you guys know Esther, she loves the movie Grease. It's John Travolta. <laughs> Specifically John Travolta, Travolta but Danny in Danny. the movie. Yes. And so Esther, she was telling me that the guy across from us, we have the... So the left, row. the second row left window seats. And um, this other guy was on the opposite side on the other one. Was it two lanes or was it a middle? Yeah, it, it was like two lanes, but he was like in the first row. Uh-huh. So we had like a perfect view yes. of this guy. And he was like with family or something. Oh, for sure he was family because that family bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so then Esther's telling me, dude, doesn't that look like the guy from Greece? John and me, I'm not, I don't know a lot about celebrities. So I'm like, dude, who are you talking about? And so she shows me a picture about him, from, of him, and then I'm like, I don't really see it. And I think that's why you took the picture. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to take this picture to, like, compare, like, the one on the internet and then, like, this guy. And he was also wearing, like, a, like a greaser jacket. Mm-hmm. So, like, in Greece, it's all about, like, greasers and that vibe. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy literally looks like Danny from the movie. And so I want to take a picture. <laughs> So I took a picture. Actually, I took a couple. And then what happened? And so then, the moment I think she takes a second picture. First of all, sorry, sorry to cut you off. But I was trying to, like, not be obvious. So I was pretending to show Jenny something on Mm -hmm. my phone. Yeah. And then I was kind of twisted, like, towards him. Yeah. And then for some, I think it worked out good. I think as if it was (laughs) supposed to work out this way. But since I had the window seat 
he couldn't really see my angle. And then oh, that, yeah. Esther was on the aisle seat. Mm-hmm. So she he was able to see her pretty well. But I was low-key hiding because it was low-key a tight flight. Yeah. And it was Ryanair. Huh? <laughs> probably. That's probably why. It's, pro- it's, it's not a good airline. Anyway. Anyway. And so as she's taking it, he just so happens to turn around. <laughs> and Esther still has her phone up. <laughs> Pretending to still show me something, but, you know, still taking a picture of him. And this guy freaks out. Do you want to say freak, how he Dude, he literally looked at me with his eyes, like, shocked. Yeah. Like, wide-eyed. And he was like, okay, he was for sure Irish. Because yes. he had, like, that accent. And he's like, hey, you're taking a picture of me. Like, you know, and he's, like, pointing at me. And I, yeah. like, instantly freak out. And I'm like, what? He's like, no. Like, I'm not taking a picture no, of you. No, he said, what? Who, me? Oh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I said that, but in my head I was like, no. Yeah. I was like, wait, me? He was like, I'm not taking a picture of you. Yeah, exactly. And I so badly wanted to be like, why would I take a picture of you? You know, but he was like freaking out that I I kind of got freaked out. And I like look at Jenny and I'm like, whoa, like, you know, and and he literally gets up from his seat and he's pointing at me and he's Mm -hmm. like, You're taking a picture of me. And I could see like he's starting to cry. And this guy's like our age. Yeah. And then he's like with a friend and like family, and they're like, hey, like sit down, like sit down. And then I started getting freaked out. Like, it wasn't really funny at that point because yeah. I was like, whoa. We shut up real quick. We were not giddy <laughs> after that no more. Also, we had ordered, like, these sandwiches. <laughs> and we didn't even eat them. Like, our yeah. appetite was lost because this guy starts freaking out. And then the flight attendant comes. And she's like, hi, miss. Like, what's going on? Like, did you take pictures of him? And I was like, no. Yeah. I was, like, denying it. And, you know, I was, like, waiting for her to be like, can I see your phone? Yeah. And I, I was, like, waiting to respond, like, you know. I don't give you consent for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was prepared, but I guess it wasn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was funny because there was a moment, I mean, at the time we were freaked out, but there was a time where when he was freaking out, I don't know if it was the dad, the brother, oh, the friend, yeah. where he's like, she's not taking a picture of you, like calling him <laughs> dramatic. Because what I felt in that moment is that that wasn't the first time that he freaked out about something. Yeah, I was like, is this guy famous? Like he has trauma yes. with pictures Yeah, or it sounded like that was not the first time. And it sounded like the people he was with were just so used to him being dramatic. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, dude, you're ugly. Like you are not John Travolta, yeah. okay? <laughs> <laughs> and so then right after that happened, again, Esther said, we lost our appetite. We were super quiet on the whole flight. We got out of the flight, and I remember he was the Ireland was so cold. But <laughs> as we were walking outside, they had like a connection to the airport because yeah. it wasn't a straight like entrance to the airport. We had to go through this tunnel, and he was right in front of us. Oh, and they're no. walking so fast. It was so awkward. Though. And to me, Loki, I was kind of scared that he was gonna come back and See. say, "I know you were taking a picture of me." Yeah, I was so scared of that. But then. It kind of gave me comfort. I think I told you this in the moment, but when we were getting like our our carry-on stuff and like we're waiting to get out, I'm assuming it was his mom, but she like smiled at me. Kind of like in a like, I'm sorry smile. (laughs) And I like gave her like a little like smile with my eyes. I was like, you know. A little smiles. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it's all good. I feel like we both felt that. But from that moment on, dude, you best believe I don't take pictures of no one. (laughs) No one. Unless someone is literally like, take a picture of me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's, like, one story out of many. Hopefully, you can come back and tell more stories with me. Yeah. And study abroad with a friend. You always get to go back and, you know, Mm -hmm. talk about these funny Yeah. And we need to one day go back to Alicante. Like, that'd be so... Yeah. 
But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And thank you, Jenny, for allowing me to have you. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. Have a good day. Bye, Jenny. Bye. <laughs>